A reading from Genesis. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. This is the word of the Lord. So, Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled up his donkey, got his kid up and dressed, ready to go, invited a couple of the guys to come along for the ride. Oh yeah, and he cut some wood so that he could offer his son as a burnt offering. And then they set out. Typical day, right? There's nothing typical about the day you're going to go sacrifice your child. I mean, what is wrong with Abraham? Why is he so calm? How can he be so collected? I would be freaking out. So I guess the first thing that y'all need to know about me is that my faith is not as formed as Abraham's was. (laughs) And that's what it boils down to. Abraham had complete faith in God. Now, to be fair, it was a faith that he had grown into. He'd grown into this faith over a long period of time and through countless experiences with God. And at the time, he was well over twice my age, so there's still hope. It all started for Abraham at the time he was called Abram when he was 75 years old. His father had just died. And he got a call from God telling him that his bishop and cabinet had decided it was time for him to move. And so he had a lot of faith even then because he just said, okay, God, 
He gathered up his family, loaded up the U-Haul, and he headed out. Now, he did have some incentive. God had made him a promise. God said, if you do this, Abraham, I will make of you a great nation. Through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Still, I would think that even with that promise, he would experience a little bit of fear. I mean, just a little bit of the terror that shot through my heart when I got my call. I mean, he didn't ask any questions. He didn't hesitate. On that Friday night when Teresa Wellborn's name showed up on my caller ID, I almost didn't answer the phone. (laughs) She and my bishop gave me 24 hours, and I took it. I took that 24 hours, time to pray, time to talk with my husband, before I committed to come here to Westlake. Now, by the way, taking time had nothing to do with y'all. I knew y'all were awesome. It had to do with me. I was completely humbled and a little bit overwhelmed by the request. And quite frankly, I was a little perplexed at the cabinet and the bishop's confidence in me. So I never considered saying no. But until I could give my wholehearted yes, I needed to go and find a quiet place. I needed to ground myself. I needed to dig deep for courage and confidence, my own confidence. I was told that the bishop in the cabinet had prayerfully discerned the appointment, so apparently God, through their conversation and through their prayer, had spoken but I needed to hear for myself the voice of God. I needed to feel God's presence. I'm just like that. I've always been that way. I mean, you know, people are going to tell you all kinds of things. People tell you all sorts of things about God, about God's character, about God's will, about how God's spoken to them. They'll tell you lots of things about the Bible but I rarely believe anything I hear without some questions, without exploring it for myself, especially when it's something that's important to me. And quite frankly, I'm not sure that there's much that's more important to me than matters of faith. So I ask questions. Maybe it's because I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, up in the northeast corner of the Bible Belt, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker didn't live too far from me. They said lots of things. (laughs) I heard all kinds of things about God. I mean, on the one hand, I heard God so loved the world, right? I mean, I was told that God made me and God loved me so much that God would give anything for me. And I heard that you don't have to earn this love. In fact, you can't earn this love. There is nothing you can do. God's love just is always. Now, that's a God that I could get behind. That's a God I could trust. But then on the other hand, 
There were people who would tell me that if I did this or that, or if I didn't receive Jesus in a very specific way, praying a very formulaic prayer, which I couldn't quite get my head around, and if I didn't believe exactly the way that they believed, then when I died, I was going to be condemned to an eternity of a fiery hell. I was not so sure about that God. So I asked a lot of questions, and then I read the Bible for myself. That just confused me even more, because there's evidence in there that supports both this loving and gracious God and a God who judges and condemns, especially the way I was taught to read the Bible, which was that it is the literal word of God, it has no errors in it, and there's no need for interpretation. So I asked even more questions, and I had even more doubts. And when I shared those questions and doubts in certain Christian communities of faith, I would be excluded, or I would be told that I wasn't saved. So Abraham's story is a great comfort to me, because Abraham had lived into his faith for a long period of time. He'd asked questions. He'd expressed doubts. He questioned God directly. He'd even hesitated and stumbled at times. If you haven't read the whole story or if it's been a while since you have, you should go back and read the whole thing. It starts in Genesis 12. It's fascinating. You know, he lied a couple of times about his relationship with Sarah who was his wife, on two separate occasions, he told people that Sarah was his sister instead of his wife to save his own skin. That didn't cause any problems. And then he doubted. He doubted God's judgment, and he argued with God. Very successfully, I might add. He argued to defend Sodom and Gomorrah from the threat of destruction. And y'all remember the promise that God made? that he would be a great nation? Well, at the time that God made that promise, Abraham didn't have any children. He and Sarah, they tried without any success. She couldn't get pregnant. And so God later confirmed that promise and sealed it with a covenant by adding an additional pledge to give Abraham the gift of a child. Well, God took God's sweet little time fulfilling that promise And Abraham would have periodic doubts about that. At his worst, he decided, along with his wife Sarah, that maybe what needed to happen was he needed to have a child with another woman. Through all of this, through all of Abraham's journey, God revealed over and over and over again to Abraham God's goodness, and God's faithfulness. And Abraham grew in faith, and he grew in his ability to act faithfully, to go where God sent him, and to do what God asked. So by the time God asked that he offer his only son, Isaac, whom he loved deeply as a burnt offering, Abraham so deeply knew the goodness and the faithfulness of God, that he didn't hesitate. He didn't ask any questions. He woke up early in the morning. He saddled up his donkey. He got 
Isaac, up out of bed and ready, invited a couple of guys along, cut some wood, and he set out. And he stayed the course. He went all the way to the place that God eventually showed him. And he built an altar, and he stacked the wood, and he bound his son Isaac, and he lay him on top of the altar. He even raised the knife. Now, when Abraham set out, he wasn't sure what would happen. But he seemed certain that even when he offered his son, somehow God would return him. If you read the text closely, you'll notice that Abraham said to the guys when he and Isaac set off on their own, he said, we're going to go over here, we'll be gone a little while, we're going to worship, and then we'll come back. He said, we, we will come back. And then when Isaac asked him, you know, where's the lamb that we're going to sacrifice? He said, son, God will provide the sacrifice. Because of everything that Abraham had learned about God through a lifetime of experience, he no longer questioned God. He knew that God was good and that God was faithful. He had full confidence in God. There's a theme, it runs throughout the Bible, this theme of trust. God wants us to trust, to have confidence in God, even when God seems to ask us to do strange things, even when God sends us to new places, to unfamiliar people. We see it in the Gospels. Jesus sends his disciples who grew in faith over a period of time as they experienced God revealed more fully and fully to them through Jesus Christ, through all of his ministry and life, his miracles. In the lectionary gospel text for today, after telling his disciples that they're going to be moving and giving them a whole lot of advice about evangelism and about itinerancy, he ends by saying this, Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. There's a promise of reward for all who welcome them. And more importantly, for all who welcome the love of the one who sent them. Along the way, I have experienced God's goodness and God's faithfulness. Eventually, I found a community of faith that didn't feel threatened by my questions, but instead saw my questions and my doubts as a sign that I was fully engaged in my faith. That community nurtured me, in particular the pastor there, encouraged me in my faith, encouraged me to learn, taught me that there are other ways to read the Bible. 
It was in that community of faith that I got a call from God letting me know that it was time for me and my family to move. It's time to go to seminary. Now, it took a whole lot more deliberation on my part than on Abraham's, but eventually we gathered up, we loaded up the U-Haul, and we set out. We came to Austin so that I could go to school. I do not have the faith of those early disciples, and I certainly do not have the faith of Abraham, but I want to. So I still pray, and I still listen. I still ask lots of questions. And when God calls and tells me I'm being sent, despite any initial hesitation or doubt, eventually I do rise, and I set out. That's how I got here. Finally, the courage came. It was a full day after Teresa's call. Settled down in prayer, I heard the voice of God through my husband in prayer. I experienced God's presence. It was a calm that just fell over me. And it reminded me that my confidence lies not in myself, but in God, in God who I know is good and who I know is faithful. Y'all, we are all, every one of us here, called by God. And we are all sent to share the good news of God's great love, both in word and in deed, in hopes that those whom we are sent to will receive it and that they'll receive the reward. I am so glad that God has called us together. And I can't wait to see what God will show us and where God will send us and to whom God will ask us to minister. And as we set out together on this great adventure It's my prayer that we would welcome one another. Just as Jesus welcomes us, and we heard it in the prayer that Lisa offered, we were reminded that Jesus welcomes with a deep compassion. I mean, we we witnessed it in the way that he led, in the way that he met people, in the way that he ministered, in the way that he died. There's nothing superficial or half-hearted about Jesus' welcome. Jesus is all in. Jesus welcomes with a compassion that shares both the struggles and the rewards of life and ministry. His is a very risky welcome, and it takes faith. A faith that I hope we will all grow in together faith like Abraham's that has complete confidence in the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Amen.